I'd wager that most of us at some point in our lives have been kind of exposed or invited into something that seems like a pyramid scheme. You ever get that message from that person that you haven't heard from in like, I don't know, 15 years, and they're like, hey, how are you doing? How's your family? How's your job doing? I have this great opportunity that I'd love to share with you to jump in and invest in. It would be great. I remember this really awkward conversation that happened in a different state, not here, uh, several years ago. We had some friends who called and said, hey, we're, we're in the neighborhood. We figured we'd stop by and say hey, and we're like, that's cool. I mean, people don't usually do that very much anymore, but yeah, that's great. You guys come on over. We love hanging out with you guys. They're, they're good friends, and they came in, and very quickly, we, we realized that this is not going to be a normal, like, just kind of hangout thing, because what they really came to do was uh, to sell us juice, and as much as I love juice, and I love juice of all kinds of different flavors and that kind of thing. I wasn't really interested in buying juice in this way or uh, kind of coming under them and starting to sell juice uh, to other people like that. And as much as, uh, you know, I'm interested in people and, and think about why they do what they do and have maybe just a touch of cynicism in my life, which I like to think of as realism. Anybody with me on, on that? Okay, right. Uh, I realized and knew the motivation uh, for this juice it was not just for its benefits. They had a, an ulterior motive. They wanted to be financial beneficiaries of me purchasing juice from them. And so I, I, I completely understand that. Uh, let, let me just say, I don't have an issue with side hustles at all. I mean, sometimes people need calling cards. And if, if that's something that you, do, you can provide a service for people and make a living off, like, that's amazing. Uh, I, I, think, I think that's incredible. But what we're talking about today is kind of the motivation behind that. Neil, Neil kind of mentioned that. Like, I think, I think Corvettes are amazing and good for Phil that he drives a Corvette. I would love to drive a Corvette one day and, and that he's at the top and making great amounts of money. But that's not what it's all about. Uh, in fact, if that's what work is all about for us, it might be an indicator that we're focused on the wrong thing when our, our work, for our work to provide. Like something that our work was never meant to provide meaning in or purpose for that we're looking for. If our work is only about what resources we can get out of another person or a situation, then we're missing out on the gift that work is meant to be. All of us should have, at some point in our life, a limit to what we're willing to do for money. And I'm not going to get real specific on some examples this morning. I'm sure you can think of uh, some for yourself. But, like, I would, never, I would never do this. I don't care how much you would pay me to do blank. Like, some of us should have some things that would fill in that blank for, for us. That there's some things that are not a matter of price negotiation in, in our life. And what, what motivates us to fill in that blank comes from a godly understanding of meaningfulness and calling, like we've been talking about the last two weeks as we've gone through this sermon series, Cultural definitions of success and even dignity in what we do are far less relevant compared to how God intends for us to benefit from his good work that he gives. Everyone wants a return for their work. Everybody wants some benefit from it, and that's absolutely normal, and it should be that way. Even the Bible says regularly throughout the both, both the Old Testament and the New Testament that a worker is worthy of their wages. And so, absolutely, that's a part of our work. But if our concern for our work is only about making money, we can find ourselves either well-paid or miserable, and miserable, or a payday cash loan away from being desperate. And so... Uh, thinking about the benefits of our work, why we do what we do is so important, especially in the way that God talks about it. There's a, a company did a mission and culture survey in 2019 this year uh, across four different countries and surveyed over 5,000 people. 
And one of the things that they discovered is more than half of those people said that for them, uh, what a a company is about, their culture, their mission, all of that is actually more important to them than what they get paid there. And which may be shocking to, to many of us, because I know sometimes we've all been in that place in our life where we'd say to that, no, no, actually, the most important thing right now about my job is that they pay me. Like, that, that's a key component, and I think most of us would agree, agree, like, things would change for us if we no longer got a paycheck. Uh, we need something that pays the bills, and we can all put up with a less-than-ideal situation for that reason for a time. But the reason it doesn't last is because that's not what God originally intended for it to be all about. We were created with more than monetary benefits in mind for our work. And it, just to be quite frank, it, it feels weird to have to say that. But, but all of us have, have been in that position in our life, my, myself included, where we, we get kind of tunnel vision when it comes to why we're doing what we're doing. And so we're actually going to go back to the beginning, and the problem that comes into that is sin and how we think the brokenness in this world that gets us off track in this and gives us that tunnel, tunnel vision. And so what we're going to do is going to go back before sin enters the world, uh, enters the equation, to Genesis chapter 1, where God is finishing his design for the world uh, with humanity and describes the work that he's inviting us into. So is Genesis chapter 1, starting at verse 26. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So before the fall comes, before sin enters the world, this is the description of the work that God invites us into. And so there are a couple things and a couple principles that affect how we think about how our work is meant to benefit us that, that are in the text right here. The first thing is this, a couple things of note. Uh, the first thing is this, is this idea of ruling in the image of God, one of the ways that this is kind of corrupted in our world today is we think that means we just kind of do whatever we want. We do whatever we want with the world, with the resources that the world has, with however we treat people in order to get what's ours and what's coming to us, what resources we want. We just kind of do what we want to do because, well, God said we can rule. And so I don't know why, like, the default position for most of humanity is that ruling means being a despot. But, you know, that, like, throughout history, we can see, see that happening, dictators and, and all that kind of stuff. Like, let's let absolute power corrupt us absolutely. And so that's part of the fall and the sin that, that ruins that. But what God actually means when he says this is that he's inviting us into this position of stewardship as caretakers, as people who are joining in and partnering with him and his creation. We're put in a special position to be able to partner with God as creator to engage with creation. And the second thing is this idea of being fruitful and multiplying and filling the earth and subduing it. I, I just want to mention, it's, it, that's not purely just about procreation. So it's not just about having kids, and some of you are like, great, I don't want to have kids, and not everyone is called to have kids, and that's cool, and that's fine. But what it's more about is what we build together as creation partnered with the creator in stewardship over the earth. In other words, God like could have created the earth full of people already, but there's this process that we join in together and how we cultivate a world as people made in God's image that reflect who he is, his character and nature in society, in culture. 
There's not this idea of gather as many resources as you can to yourself, amass power and authority for yourself, because before the fall, all those things were already given in paradise. We were already given positions of power and authority and plenty of resources at our fingertips. And so the goodness of work given before sin was the cultivation of good life with God together. Like that, that's the original intent of the benefits that we get out of our work that God wanted for us to experience. It's not until sin comes along that causes us to get off track and not realize those things as completely as God intended for us originally. So worrying about possessions, amassing stores of resources, not being generous, not being rich toward God, these are all the threats of the benefits of work after sin enters the equation. And so fulfillment in our work and frustration with our work become the tension that pull us in each direction uh, that we must navigate because it pulls us in one direction to God's design for work, so the fulfillment that he wants us to have, versus the frustration that sin introduced uh, because of our sin-broken desires uh, that, that we have. So what we're doing to and with each other with our work and how we approach it impacts. It impacts what we're trying to achieve, which in turn changes how we benefit. And so when the benefits are just about us, like that's, that's when we get into trouble. This happens a couple times early on in the beginning after the creation narrative in Genesis. Some of you are familiar with Noah's flood and what happens there. The entire earth turns wicked except for one man and his family. And so God corrects those things. Well, there's a second correction that comes along as well. And that's found in Genesis chapter, chapter 11. And so we're going to read that. <clears throat> now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. And this is ancient Babylonia, Chaldea, if you wanted to look that up on a map. And they said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. And then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. And the Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. On a grand scale, and here's the thing, there's lots that can be taken from the story, but for our purposes on a grand scale, the people of that time did what we see and are tempted by on a small scale all the time. Hey, let's have this great safe place that we can gather our people together in and create this thing that makes us feel better about ourselves. Like, that, that's the thing that they were doing. Let's create the city, the safe place where we can all be together. We can kind of come, come together in this safe, safe space. And let's build this tower that's going to make us really impressed with the effort and work that we've done in, in and of ourselves. And so that leads to, if I don't have the right material possessions, if I'm not in a position to earn or create for myself enough to feel successful or accomplished or well off, I feel like my life is less than that I'm not as much as I could or should be. But you're going to find it difficult to find a spot in the Bible that includes those things as markers for the benefits of work. Not even Jesus had a place to lay his head. And those things don't measure up to what God wants us to partner with him to accomplish. 
And so these people were building this tower into the heavens to make this incredible thing that they could look at and say, man, look how amazing it is what we did and accomplished. It's very telling that as Moses is writing this and recounting this, he says God had to come down to see this because he's basically being sarcastic about what they're trying to accomplish. He says, look, look at this thing that they're trying to do, this tower that, that reaches up to the heavens. It's nothing. I mean, God is so high up. He's so uh, glorified that he has to come down to see this because of how small and pitiful this thing really is. He confused this language and uh, the language at the time and subsequently humanity was scattered because the goal was never about us establishing and growing our own kingdoms to be self-assured by. It was for us to enjoy and steward the kingdom of God. The Tower of Babel was built to glorify the pride of man. The kingdom of God is being built to glorify the righteousness of of God. And that's the benefit of work that he invites us into. Our paycheck and our 401k and etc., those are byproducts. They're not the inherent goal. And so in our first message on good work, I on the series Good Work, I challenged us to rethink how we ask a common question of our friends and our neighbors, our coworkers, strangers sometimes, say, "Hey, what do you do? What do you do for a living in your work?" and reframe that by thinking or asking the question Somewhere along the lines, why do you do what you do based on the gift of, God, uh, gift of work that God wants to invite us into? And so I want to do the same thing here. When we talk about the benefits of our work and what we're trying to get out of it and what we receive from it with another question that we ask, maybe, I mean, it's, it's in poor taste, but sometimes we still ask it or at least we, we think about it for ourselves and we measure and value maybe the, our self-worth based on this or maybe even the value of someone else even though we shouldn't. And we ask the question, how much do I make? Or we think about that or we're consumed by that or something that's always kind of in the back of our mind. And I'd like for us to reframe that to the question, what am I cultivating? Because originally God invited us into cultivating a good life together with him and to enjoy that with him. And so this idea of cultivation is so much more in line with a biblical understanding of the kingdom of God and what we've been called to be sharing in together with Jesus. God wants us to have meaning and purpose through our work. He calls us into our work by connecting our giftedness to our, our heart and our mind that he renews in our life, in us. And the benefits of faithfulness in that good work far outweigh our tax bracket and our property value. Colossians chapter 3 uh, Paul writes in verses 23 and 24, he says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. And so when the benefits we're striving to accrue for ourselves outpace our desire to cultivate generosity or service or meaningful community centered on the grace of God, it's a reminder to us that we're putting work in a position to provide for us what was never intended to provide in the first place. With the exception of maybe a, an extremely small percentage, there's always going to be someone who is paid more than you, who is more accomplished than you, who has more authority than you, who has a better benefits package, who has more possessions. And even those who are at the top, the very small percentage at the top, everyone in between and at the bottom, everything about that life and those benefits of work, those are going to fade away. But for us, for Christians, and the promise of the benefit of work that God invites us into, it's a different perspective. Timothy Keller writes in Every Good Endeavor, Christians have, through their hope in God's story of redemption for the world he created, a deep consolation that enables them to work with all their being 
and never be ultimately discouraged. Didn't say never be discouraged, but never be ultimately discouraged by the frustrating present reality of this world in which thorns grow up when they are trying to coax up other things. And so this, thus, despite the fall of sin, the difficulties into our work that it introduces, what we're cultivating with our life through God is far more valuable than what we earn with our work. Uh, in the 1920s, there's a man who, through the summer in 1920 in Boston, he was in the newspaper like the entire summer, every day, front page. And he was the, the quintessential from rags to riches immigrant story in America, pursuing the American dream. Uh, he had made a ton of money in about 18, in eight months, sorry, not 18, in eight months, he had made $15 million, and he'd come up with this incredible new investment uh, idea that so many people, especially in Boston, were buying into and just had this incredible almost overnight success um, and just, just this amazing thing that so many people were inspired by. His name was Charles Ponzi. I don't know if familiar familiar with uh, that, that last name, but he was so good at what he did that they, made a, they named a method of swindling after him and conning after him. But the key to his success is still used, and it's alive and well today, because we see people still buying into these kinds of things and these ideas regularly. The ability of great numbers of humanity to be unmindful and greedy about what they're trying to get out of their efforts in life. It's the part of the dehumanization in work and the corruption that sin brings that leads to the existence of human trafficking, slavery, sweatshops, child labor, corruption, stealing, poverty, and so on, because of the desire for what can be squeezed out of people and natural resources based on sin and not on the design from God for our work. The benefit for our work is the cultivation of what God desires to bless the entire world with, and that's his kingdom. It's not about our own individual kingdom. And there's this contrast of what this looks like against the picture of the abandoned Tower of Babel that we see in Genesis chapter 11 and the global kingdom of God and the picture that we see in Revelation chapter 7 that Jesus came to establish and redeemed us for. Revelation 7, think, think about what happens at the Tower of Babel and then now what happens um, in Jesus' second coming. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. As Christians, this is the benefit of work that ultimately we're working toward. And it's meant to benefit all of humanity. And, and all of our jobs, with the exception of, exception of anything that we might be doing that's just blatantly wrong and sinful and morally and ethically wrong, right? I, I mean, I shouldn't have to say those caveats, but I will sometimes. Uh, people don't make those connections. But your job that you're doing right now or the job that you're pursuing, the work that you're doing, whether or not you're getting paid for it or not, whatever work you're doing, it can pay, play a significant part, a meaningful part, a purposeful part in that. It just changes. It just takes a matter of us changing our hearts and minds, being renewed by how God calls us to think about our work and what our efforts are meant to benefit toward for us to see why that is the case and how it plays a part in that and how what we do and how we go about it matter. 
I want us all to be blessed with a fair wage for our work. I want us all to have a great benefits package. That'd be amazing. I hope your next pay conversation with your boss goes amazing. Um, and that your company and your product does well. I hope that your investments mature. I would love that for all of us, that you, fulfill, that you feel fulfilled in your work. And if you're looking for the next thing that you've been working toward, I, I, I pray that that will come to fruition in your life. But as someone who is uh, speaking from experience, and I know many of us can relate to this as well, when not all of those things do come together, or when they change suddenly, or you feel stuck, Know that the value of your work isn't measured by those things. That instead, as followers of Jesus and citizens of the kingdom of God, what we're cultivating by striving to reflect God's image in our work day by day, that, that comes to fruition for an eternity. And so let me pray for us, not only that, yes, all good things, blessing from God that we can praise him for, that those things come about for our work as well, but also when we don't, have the this side of heaven blessings that we wish we did, uh, that we can still see that the benefit of our work far outweighs, the value of that far outweighs uh, anything that we do here in, in eternity. So let's, let's pray about that. God, um, we have so many people um, that are involved in, in work in so many different ways in this church. I'm just amazed at the uh, just the broad spectrum of things that people do, the talents, the giftedness, the abilities that are represented uh, here by, uh, by the people that are here, just the, the things that they're interested in, um, the things that they're experts in, the things that they're making, uh, making a difference in, and all, all, the, all the things they're doing. God, I just ask that, um, I ask that you bless those efforts. And I ask that those things would be successful, that uh, the projects that they're working on, that we're all working on together, that, that they go well, um, that they meet deadlines. Um, I ask that uh, when raises and bonuses are, are supposed to be there, that uh, they're going to be available, that uh, the way that the companies that uh, are worked in here in this place, that, that are represented here, that uh, the leadership uh, does does well in uh, developing uh, how uh, the market share and the products and and the relationships that they need with other uh, companies to thrive. I, I just pray all those things go well. God, I also pray that um, when and if those things don't happen, that we can be sustained and see how the way that we approach our work and what we desire out of it can be fully sustained by you that the worries that we have that come along with our work uh, because of a missed deadline or because a project isn't, isn't going well or because a company isn't thriving, um, that we would, we would come to see how you provide for us. That even if we can't see it in the moment, that when we're on the other side of it, we can see how you were walking alongside of us the entire way. God, it's, it's hard not to be caught up purely in the idea of what we're getting paid or what benefits our company is providing for us. God, while those things make a difference in our lives and they impact how we live, we ask that they would not be the things that we value the most and that they would not be the things that determine and dictate how we feel about our own self-worth and our work. God, we ask all these things in your son's name.
Jesus' name we pray. Amen.